This week on the Habs Forum, we have the draft to talk about. We love talking about the draft here. Well, specifically, Dustin. I like talking about it afterwards when I actually know who the players are the Canadians drafted. So, of course, we're going to review that. Dustin wasn't too happy about the first pick when it happened. Not sure if he's turned around a little bit since, but we'll we'll cover a bit that more uh, later on in the episode. Lots more news to talk about with uh, a big trade. Max Domi, we've been talking about him moving for a very long time. It finally happened. Uh, reception to the trade, uh, hot and cold uh, on Twitter. So we'll we'll cover that. And of course, now it's time to talk about UFA. UFA is coming up. Canadians still have a lot of cap space and. Bergman said he still wants to improve his offense, and there's some nice names on there, so we'll talk about that too. But first, Dustin, who's our sponsor? So that's right. We're still sponsored by Manscaped. So Habs Hockey is finally back, well, at least for the draft and free agency. So time to throw on a Habs sweater and make sure you don't take a hit below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from taking on a Weber slap shot. So you stay clean and take care of yourself when it matters most. So uh, Manscaped is here to shoot a top corner beauty and deliver the best tools for your below the waist grooming experience. So go check out manscaped.com. Use uh, promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase. And of course, as always, get free shipping. And uh, and definitely check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. We each got one of those. And, uh, and I have to say, I'm loving it. And it's uh, it's great. So uh, definitely go check that out, guys. All right. Obviously, check it out. I've used it, too, and I love it. And if in case you didn't notice, Manscaped were nice enough to give Dustin the script because they noticed he was struggling with doing it himself. So thank you very much for that, Manscaped. And <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move ahead with the podcast. Uh, before I continue, as always, follow us on Twitter at the Habs Forum. Ask us your questions if you have any. Dustin will be happy to answer them. I don't deal with the Twitter. I could care less about social media, but he's pretty good about it. So he covers you guys with that. But let's let's talk about the draft, Dustin. So first pick for the Canadians. First of all, we get to the Canadians pick, and we're in the group chat, and, and you're excited. You're excited because your boy, the guy you've been saying you wanted the Canadians to draft, the guy you were hoping was available when it's a Canadians term, the guy you had in your mock draft to go to the Canadians, Dawson Mercer was still available. Dawson That's Mercer right. is not a Montreal Canadian. I was so confident in this pick, I actually bet money on Mise-Ogier that the Canadians were going to select Dawson Mercer with the first pick. Um, so I also had some money riding on it. But uh, no, it was uh, it's definitely surprising. Um, I mean, I think a lot of Habs Twitter, too, were shocked by the pick. I don't think anybody really expected the Canadians to pick Caden uh, Gooley. Um, especially, I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, Gooley was probably the best player on the board at that point. Um, so, you know, if they're going best, and obviously they were going best player available because that's who they selected, but the Canadians, I mean, if there's one position that the Canadians are stacked at already, it, at least in the prospects pipeline, it's left defenseman. And we all know Romanov's coming over now. We got Tons of other guys as well. Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlinder, uh, Jordan Harris, even Gianni Fairbrother. So we're stacked there. 
But um, realistically, but, how many of those are going to be top four defensemen? Though, re- re- realistically, because we always talk about our prospects, but at the end of the day, really not that many end up making the the NHL. At least not making a significant impact in the NHL. Like I, I Romanov obviously is going to start with the Canadians. I mean, we're, we're very hopeful with his progress. And um, Norlander's been looking great. But but outside of that, I mean, odds are you're not going to get consistent NHLers out of the rest of the crop for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of right about that. But at the same time, well, I mean, Romanov's basically already here anyway. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with that, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt that he will be a top four defenseman. Norlander, the way that he's looked, has been ridiculous. Jaden Struble is probably going to be in the NHL in the next two or three years. Um, the only guy, G- Gianni Fairbrother, probably not. I mean, definitely m- more of a long shot. Um, Jordan Harris, all Canadians fans are pretty high on him. I have some doubts that he'll really be a top four guy in the NHL, but but we'll see. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, Caden Gooley is exactly what you want in a defenseman. He's a big guy, 6'2", over 200 pounds. He can move the puck. He had 40 points last season. Uh, I think at the next level, I mean, he definitely has top two potential. There's there's no doubt about that. There's people that had him ranked as high as eight. Eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he you're hearing could. a lot of that coming out. A lot of teams, a lot of scouts had him ranked higher. I mean, you hear that for for every player. If a player gets drafted around 15, 16 range, odds are some scouts had him uh, ranked uh, ranked higher. And it sounds like other teams were, were interested in, in, in picking him around there if if, they, if a trade was uh, was possible. Not like I, I didn't do that much research on 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 Gooley, like looking at highlights or whatever. Well, first of all, you never talked about him on the podcast, so I mean, that was a lot of my oh, research. I, I didn't Did talk you? about any left-handed defensemen. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. You didn't talk about any left-handed defensemen. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, but, uh, you know obviously, we talked def- about uh, maybe some right-handed defensemen, but no, I did. I definitely didn't talk about any left-handed defensemen in the first round. I never but, thought that, that, that we'd get Gooley, but... As we all do when we watch the draft and the Canadians make a pick, and most fans, I think, do this these days. You go on Twitter and start watching some highlight clips. You got some great, great Twitter accounts we follow that post some great clips for these young prospects. And I love what I've been seeing from this kid. I mean, someone with his size and how good of a skater he is to go along with that size. I mean, that's an amazing combination. We all know how important speed is coming from the back in the transition game is in the NHL these days. He just, he just, he looks fantastic in the highlight clips. Like obviously the clips are showing the, the, the best he, he is, but I, I, I liked from what I saw, I really, really liked what I saw. And, after what happened in the playoffs, I and mean, we talked about this when the Canadians made the move to go get Edmondson, I think the Canadians were a big fan of what it looked like having Ben Sherratt and uh, Shea Weber knocking people around. And then they go get another big body to play on defense in Edmondson. I think maybe they were coming into this draft. They saw some of the big hits that Gooley was laying in the, in junior, and he, they're thinking, well, maybe maybe we can have the, the 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 next Shea Weber you know I'm not I'm not saying I'm not predicting that I'm just saying maybe they're thinking we need some more size like this to build around for the future of this team I mean it's it's very short-sighted to make a decision like this based just on what just happened in the playoffs but there's no denying that they liked what they saw in the playoffs with uh, with the way the the big defenseman played for the Canadians yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, I think, you know, the last couple of moves that the Canadians have made definitely shows that Bergevin is is looking to, uh, you know, he's he's looking to, to make the Canadians bigger now and moving forward. And I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think, you know, Gooley was the guy, their top guy on the board. And, you know, despite the fact that we're already pretty, pretty loaded on left defensemen, 
they pulled the trigger on him anyway. I mean, like you said, you never know what's going to happen moving forward. Uh, are these guys, are the guys that we already have going to pan out? Are we maybe going to move some of them? Who knows what's going to happen? And but it's they, not they hard to move good defenseman prospects. If some of these, if we have, if we have too many, it, it's not a difficult thing to to trade away a player to get an impact player. Like just just look at when we traded away Sergachev for for Drouin. I mean, a lot of Habs fans now regret that trade, but it's still they were able to get a, a an NHLer that was already putting up points in the NHL for a defenseman that had only played in a handful of the games. So these types of prospects they're very popular with G, with GMs if they if you do end up having it's not a bad problem to have if all of a sudden we have Romanov Norlander uh Gouli and, and then another one of the guys that you mentioned that end up being good enough to make the team you move one you get a good piece and that's not a hard thing for for a GM to be able to do no for sure I mean you know at the, at the end of the day I think uh, I and and a lot of Habs fans were sort of disappointed that they didn't take Dawson Mercer but I don't think there's no doubt that Gouley definitely has a higher ceiling than than Dawson Mercer. I mean, Dawson Mercer, I think, is is pretty much going to cap out as, as a 20-25 goal scorer. I think he's pretty much a lock to play in the NHL. But Gouley is a guy that could very likely, if he fills his potential, be a top-two guy. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't play in the NHL either with his size, his speed, his offensive ability. You know, I think I don't think he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that's gonna put up 40 points in the NHL, but you know he he'll be able to chip in for uh, here and there, and he's gonna be just a pain in the ass to play against for the other teams. And and one thing I was thinking about too, when because the, there is an argument that some people say uh, you go best player available, other people think it's not just best player available. You should also consider uh, team needs and things like that. And I, I and I think back to the Canadians drafting someone like Kyle Chipchura. Because it was so important for the Canadians to get a big center. And then you draft a guy like Kyle Chipchura, and he's terrible. He hasn't done, he's never did anything in the NHL because the Canadians needed big centers. They drafted him. Like, I don't remember the draft specifically, if he was considered at the time best player available. But point is, the Canadians drafted some big centers because they needed it, and it didn't pan out. I'm much happier drafting best player available. And if you become over too loaded on one position with NHL players, you just make moves after that. Like that, that's not something that's really that much of a concern to me, honestly. No, I, I understand that. And and that's sort of, you know, sort of, that was sort of the reason that, uh, that I was a little bit disappointed in the pick at first. I was hoping they were going to draft Mercer. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, they should go with, with, with sort of the hole that they have right now in the organization. But I understand that, it, yeah, you can have too many players at one position. I mean, trades, you know, it's not like he's playing in the NHL next year or probably not for two, three years. And, and like you said, I mean, if you have too many prospects at one position, you know, thing, things can move around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with, after after really, you know, taking a better look at him and, and it's sort of, and, and I mean, definitely taking a look at some of the picks that we had later on in the draft. Uh, and getting I mean, over the fact that you lost money. Yeah, getting over the fact that I lost money, too. <laughs> so you just mentioned that uh, the, the later on picks helped also with uh, getting over the, the, the picking a defenseman at first. And watching the second round, it, it was pretty exciting because we were getting to the Canadians back to back picks. And the guy that was ranked. At the top of a lot of best players available on the websites, you'd be going on different Twitter accounts and all that was still there. in, in, in Yan Yan Misak, Misak, I'm not sure how you say his name. Uh, and, and the Canadians end up taking him. They take Luke Tuck first, but still they take they take him. I think a lot of people, including yourself, 
were very excited about that. That he won dropped to the Canadians and they actually pulled the trigger and drafted him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, the Canadians had back to back picks here at 47 48. Um, and I was just crossing my fingers, hoping my sack was going to fall. Always kind of funny seeing his name, my sack was going to fall. But anyway. Oh, I mean, well, the, the meme right now is that people are convinced that they, they drafted Tuck first and then my sack in that order because it looks like Tuck my sack, which is hilarious. It is hilarious. So, and so I, pro- like my thought was more though I do kind of feel like they did the kind of troll the Habs fans a little bit because they probably knew Mysack was like the highest kind of looked at one and a lot of fans are probably hoping they're going to pick him and then they they picked the other guy first like sometimes I wonder if on they do that on purpose just to mess with people you know maybe not I just I I just think, I feel like I would do shit like that if I was a GM. <laughs> Yeah, I could definitely see you doing that. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, uh, well, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the first pick. I mean, uh, obviously, it, Luke Tuck was was selected first. Um, so he's obviously the brother of Vegas Golden Knight Alex Tuck. Um, I would say not quite as skilled as Alex Tuck. Um, I don't think he's going to be the same player, but he, he definitely plays with more of, a, more of a rough side, more grit, more of a pain in the ass to play. Um, the big so, boy, that's for sure. He's a big boy. He's a six two, six three. I think over two hundred pounds. So obviously, I mean, you see it with the Canadians, the, the top two picks, big guys. So you know, we talked about it early. The Canadians, it appears, they want to get bigger, and Luke Tuck is definitely going to be that. You know, he's a guy that he's going to be a bit of a project. I mean, he's got some things to work on, like his skating. He's not he's not the guy that's going to put up the most points either. You know, he wasn't one of the one of the point leaders. I think he was fifth uh, fifth. Uh, for the uh, U.S. national team. So, I mean, he's a guy that, that, I mean, he does have some scoring touch, but he, his, what what you like to see from him is more of that gritty play is going to be, you know, hitting you constantly. I mean, sort of sort of like, a, you know, like a Josh Anderson almost. I mean, I, I don't think he necessarily has the same skill as him or like a guy like uh, Jamie, uh, yeah, Jamie Ben, but he's definitely a guy that has some offensive potential. He's going to, I believe, Boston College next year, so he's probably going to be there for for the next couple of years, and uh, you know he'll he'll be able to grow, you know, keep growing, stay in the weight room, and when he is ready to come for the Canadians, hopefully he'll work on his skating a little bit, and and he'll be good to go. You know, it's, it's, I I think I see him as a third line winger, um, but 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 he's the kind of guy, you know, that rough kind of guy that that all basically a Stanley Cup winning team is going to have this kind of guy as a third line winger. Um, so, so I, the, the, the one thing that that was interesting though is that as as we were leading up to him, my sack was the one that you wanted the most. But you you listed off a few names. I can't rem- remember them off the top of my head here of who you'd like to that to pick along with my sack. And Tuck wasn't one of them. So wh- wh- was does this did this come off a bit as an off the board pick for you, or were you still kind of pretty happy with the selection despite him not being one of the guys that maybe were on your radar necessarily? No, he he uh, yeah he wasn't one of the guys that I had mentioned in our uh, in our group chat, but he he was definitely a guy that was sort of on the radar in the second half of the second round. So it really wasn't uh, wasn't that big of a surprise. Um, I thought the Canadians might go with more of a, more of an offensive guy, like they eventually did with the next pick with Mysack. Um, but no, I, I think Luke Tuck definitely wasn't wasn't a stretch, wasn't a reach by any means. He basically went where most people expected him to go. And he's, I don't think the Canadians really have too many, especially forward, rough guys like this. They have a couple of more skilled guys like, uh, you know, Jesse Alonin, 
Um, and uh, I mean, Yoni Kinnan, though, he's been. It sort of adds an, another dimension to the Canadians' prospects at this point. So, yeah, so well, definitely. What I, what, what I find interesting, too, and I, like I said before, you always hear these stories coming from draft day that kind of the teams just kind of leak out to make their, their picks seem uh like the, the the right pick but i i do find it interesting when john lou tweeted about how speaking with timmins uh he said that timmins said that there were teams calling about pick 47 uh, the pick that the canadians use on on luke tuck trying to make a move trying to see if they could move up and the canadians said no and and they found out afterwards that the player that these teams were looking to trade up for to get is tuck so he definitely had some interest with uh, with with other teams, which I I do like see, seeing that. I, I guess someone that like I'm obviously not doing like he, he, neither of us is doing as much research as a as a pro scout. And when it's a bit of a when when a pick comes down that I'm not too familiar with, but you hear that there are multiple teams who are looking at him, that tells me a lot of a lot of professional scouts see something good with him. So uh, I I think that that that's very interesting, and also. I do like the aspect a little bit. I don't think that means that much, and it should affect your, your drafting too much. But the fact that he has a, a brother who's in the NHL, there, there's something to be, to be said there about how he, he understands a little bit maybe what it takes to make it to the NHL, right? Uh, he, he, he has his brother to kind of like prepare him. And it's not like his brother was the first overall pick that went straight to the NHL, right? He had to work, work his way and get better to get there. So I, I I do think that that's an advantage that could that can help him in his progression if he's someone that really wants to put the work into maybe the NHL. Yeah, well, I definitely think bloodlines probably do uh, play a factor into it because I mean every year you see a handful of guys that have brothers in the NHL or have uh, have dads that played in the NHL. Yeah, more and so, more I find. Yeah, it is true. So I I definitely think that the bloodlines probably could could be a positive for some teams and and yeah I mean I think you know they've they've sort of seen what the lifestyle is, what, uh, you know, what, what the realities of being a pro are. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it makes sense for sure. And then the next pick is who, I mean, if you were on Twitter, pretty much everyone that uh, pretends they were a pro scout on draft day was shouting. They wanted him probably just because he was ranked like 20th on, I think, or something like that on, on Bob McKenzie's list, but, but still he was ranked pretty highly on a lot of lists is Jan Mysak. Yeah. Hilarious name. What? Uh, but always exciting, always exciting to get the guy that dropped. You wonder why he dropped, but then it feels like there's a lot of potential there at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is a guy, he's, I mean, he has a lot of offensive potential. He's definitely a guy that could potentially, if he, if he reaches his potential, a top six guy. I mean, he's, he's just such a skilled player. Um, you know, he came over after the world junior. He didn't have the, I mean, I thought he played pretty well in the world juniors. He, uh, you know, he's, he's a check forward, the checks, the last years haven't really had that great of a team. He only put up, I think it was two points in five games. Um, he came over after the World Juniors to play in Hamilton with the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL. Uh, he actually had four points in three games. Four points in three games? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I didn't think he was that good. Okay. Well, anyway, that's good. Even better. Uh, <laughs> and then he he came over. He got off to a bit of a slow start in Hamilton, but finished the uh, the season before obviously the pandemic. Uh, I believe he had 25 points in 22 games, so he finished really strong. Again, he's a guy that he has great hands, great playmaking ability. Um, probably work on his skating a little bit, but I mean the offensive potential is definitely there. And I mean. He he was definitely much I mean rated in the first round. Um, I, the the last guy that we had on a, on the podcast, um, Costa Ronzokos, actually had him 
thirteenth uh, is a thirteenth rated prospect. So I mean, wow. and I mean just across the board. I mean, I don't. So he had him as someone he could see the Canadians draft with the first their first oh, round yeah. pick. Yeah, there there was a couple of people, and and even myself at one point I thought, you know, when he first started playing with Hamilton, that maybe he could be a guy that Canadians could take a look at. Um, but, so hypothetically, uh, if the Canadians had drafted Mysack at 16th overall, would mm-hmm. you have been? Would you have felt that was a, too much of a reach? Like not knowing what we know now that he dropped and all that, where he was ranked around 20th, or would you have been relatively happy, even though you preferred Dawson Mercer? I would I would have been relatively happy. I would have thought maybe it could have been a bit of a a bit of a reach because I think he would have I I thought he would have been more around like the mid twenties. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean he would have you know the Canadians I think needed a wing even even though he's listed as a center he's more likely to be a winger in the NHL. Um, so I think mo- most Canadians fans would probably have been happy if Yan Mysack was uh, was the first round pick. So, so this, this is the best out. case scenario in, in a way, oh, then, because the Canadians oh. got best player available in the first round, and then they still get a, a, a forward, a winger in the uh, in the second round that is not that far off from the forwards they could have got with their first round pick, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they basically got two guys that are first round that should be first round picks. You're in Gouli and Mysack for sure. So I mean, it definitely it, it could be. I mean, I think there were a lot of steals in this draft, but I mean, my sack is is definitely up there as one of the potential steals. So, like we discussed before, this pick is really what made the the Gooley pick a bit easier to swallow. Then, because now you have what sounds like a surefire NHLer in Gooley on defense. Uh, that that can't you can't you never have too many NHL defensemen really. Like you, you can the left side of the defense has been the biggest reason this team has sucked for the last three years. But then on top of that, you still have a guy with a lot of potential that maybe he's not a guarantee uh, to make the NHL like uh, like Gouli is, but potential is there to to maybe break break out and and have a solid career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they you know they draft Gouli was the only defenseman they drafted this year. They drafted six forwards and and one goalie, and I mean I think all six forwards are pretty solid. Even yeah. some of the I mean at least have solid potential to be you know offensive potential. Um, whether and as much as I say you draft best best player available, yeah. when it comes to the later rounds, I don't necessarily believe that. Like I, I, when I say that, I mean in the first round, right? Because you're talking about high end talent. When you when you're moving to the third, fourth, fifth round, then yes, absolutely go for. You, then that's when you really have to fill your cupboards with the the positions that you need, on, like realistically. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, you try to you, you try to hit home runs with some of the later round picks. And I mean, I think, you know, that's what the Canadians were going for uh, from rounds four to six. Um, so yeah, let, let's yeah. talk about that. I mean, I, I personally, I, I have to, I have to work during the day, and unlike you, I have, I have a job that requires me to work, so I wasn't able to focus as strongly on the second round once the, the two second round picks went through. Like, so, what, was there a steal in the to you in the rounds uh, like three to, to, to what is it seven? Uh, for the Canadians, uh, is there anyone you're excited about that the Canadians got in the later rounds? Definitely. I mean, I, I, I think I'm pretty excited about most of them, to be honest with you. Um, okay, first of all, I do work. As long as you're being honest. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was wasn't focused too uh, too focused on work uh, while the draft was going on. But uh, so the first, well, the uh, the Canadians first of all did not have a pick in uh, in round three. Well, they they did originally. They traded away. So they they didn't make a pick in round three. They had four picks in. Uh, no, sorry, three picks in round four. 
Uh, so the first of which was definitely a guy way off the board. Uh, so they selected from St. Cloud Cathedral High School in Minnesota, Jack Smith. Um, I when he got selected, I didn't know anything about this guy. And I pretty if anyone on Twitter that said they knew who Jack Smith was is a liar. Well, it's interesting because I, I I pulled up the Habs uh, eyes on the prize website to because they had an article going over a little bit all the the different draft picks, giving a little blurb for everyone. Every player has a couple paragraphs, a few things. Jack Smith literally has one sentence. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so this, I, like, I don't think they know much about him either. No, I don't think anybody does, unless you're like Trevor Timmons and <laughs> yeah. the scouts for the Canadians. Um. Anyway, I mean, he's. It, from what I've read, I mean, obviously, again, I've never seen this guy play. I knew nothing about him before. So I'm just reading off of, you know, basically stuff that I've read up on him. I mean, he definitely seems to have some pretty solid potential. One thing that really jumps out to me, yes, he's a guy that played in high school. Um, so obviously, I mean, it's hard to judge guys that played in high school. You're playing, obviously, against not very good players generally. But he's actually a guy that turned down an opportunity to play for the U.S. national team. Um, so that's interesting to me. I don't know what exactly the reason was, but obviously if he was invited to play for the U.S. national development team, uh, he is obviously a very skilled player. Uh, this guy threw uh, in last in the regular season. He actually dealt with an injury, which is what maybe potentially why he didn't get the same love that some of the other guys got, um, even uh, as far as high school players go. But in uh, throughout the regular season and playoffs, he played uh, a total of 17 games and put up 51 points. So obviously he has some pretty high potential. He played in all situations in the high school. He was even double shifted on a regular basis. He's a guy, He um, first of all, he's going to be going to Minnesota Duluth, probably not next year, but uh, in two years. Next year, he should be playing USHL, I believe, with Sioux City. Uh, so he's a guy that definitely ha- seems to have some some solid offensive potential. Apparently he's a really good two way player. Um, so very responsible in his, de- in the defensive zone as well. Great skater. He's not big. He's well, not that big anyway, Five eleven, one eighty two. apparently very hard to knock off the puck, really good skater, really uh, great agility as well. So, I mean, you know, uh, obviously there's, there's something the Canadian saw Trevor Timmons saw in him that, uh, that made him pick. And I think, you know, the Canadians went with, and, and I think this was to be expected guys that are going to play in university guys that are playing maybe in high school, um, even in Russia later on in the draft guys that they don't have to sign anytime soon, which yeah, I think we talked that, about this before. It, it makes sense for the Canadians considering how, how much, how many contracts they already have, right? How many, like, they, 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 just, they their, yeah. you know, they traded some of their picks this year too, to get picks next year. So, I mean, yeah, it's, very it's smart. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's part of the reason. Uh, but I mean, I, you know, Jack Smith, obviously he's going to be a long-term project, but you know, from what I've read, he seems to be a pretty exciting prospect. We'll see how it works out. Uh, you know, next year he's going to be in the USHL. It'll definitely be better competition for him. So we'll see. And then after that, the Canadians had, uh, so with their second, uh, third round pick, they selected fourth another, round uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. They had three fourth round picks, the second of which uh, was another Minnesota high schooler uh, from uh, the high school, Hermantown High School. Uh, this guy was actually Mr. Hockey. And if you don't know what Mr. Hockey is in Minnesota, it's uh, basically the high school MVP. Last time the, connect, uh, the Canadians selected a Mr. Hockey was Ryan McDonough. Yeah. That's good. Of course, the Wait, time was before- it, wasn't David Fisher uh, or, yeah. or is that Hobie Baker? No, no, it was David Fisher. 
Yeah, so uh, David Fisher. Hopefully, he's more Ryan McDonough and not not so much David Fisher. Wait, but, David uh, Fisher wasn't drafted before Ryan McDonough, was he? It was. Yeah, it was 2006. He was drafted. 20th that's, overall. That, that was that long ago. Oh man, that's making me feel old right now. Jeez. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, but uh, this is the guy. This is the guy that was certainly on the radar for the Canadians. He's a guy that uh, actually some people. Thought that the Canadians would take him probably in the fourth round. Uh, so it's uh, Blake Biondi, by the way. I mean, so he obviously had a great season. Um, he's a guy. He's actually going to uh, going to the same university as the Canadians' last pick, Jack Smith. Um, so Minnesota Duluth. Again, he'll be going in two years. Uh, Blake Biondi. He also he had a couple of games in the USHL this year. Um, didn't quite live up to expectations there. He had uh, three points in ten games before going back to high school and, and really tearing it up, obviously, he was uh, Mr. Hockey. He was actually scheduled to go back to the USHL before the pandemic hit. Uh, so unfortunate for him, but uh, potentially fortunate for the Canadians. I think it's a pretty good pick. He's a guy that also has some offensive potential. Um, so, and again, like Jack Smith, he's going to be a long-term project with some offensive potential. So, you know, we'll see if he pans out three, four, five years down the road, the Canadians will sign him hopefully out of uh, Minnesota Duluth. And, uh, and maybe we'll see him in the Canadian with the Canadians eventually, but he's definitely a guy that has potential and the Canadians have a lot of time to, uh, to see what they have with him. And their final pick of the fourth round was that uh, Sean Farrell uh, from the Chicago steel of the USHL. This guy is an absolute steal. Most uh, uh, this guy could literally I think a lot of people have said that he could very well be the steal of the draft. This guy was I mean, on most boards, most people would say that he was a second round pick for sure. Um, I mean, you know, really, the only reason he fell a little bit is because of his size. He's five, eight, five, nine. So obviously he's he's pretty small. But I mean, you take a look at some of the guys that he played with Brendan Brisson who was selected in the first round by uh, Vegas, 29th overall. Sam Colangelo selected at the beginning of the second round. These are two guys that he played with, and Brisson had three more points. Colangelo had two more points than Farrell. He's a guy that has unbelievable playmaking, great hands, super quick. Again, the only knock on this guy is, is, is his size. He's going to Harvard next year. Um, so obviously he uh, you would think that he's a pretty smart guy as well. Uh, so again, he's he's probably going to stay there for the next couple of years at Harvard. Um, you know, I think one of the things he could work on is definitely putting on some muscle. We know in, in university they play uh, they play less games. There's more of an emphasis on on the weight room. So I think that's going to be great for him. Spend two three years there, and then once uh, once he comes to the Canadians, I definitely think he's got a, the potential to be a top six guy. And actually, funny thing about Sean Farrell is when he got selected, Cole Caulfield tech tweeted steal. So uh, obviously, Caulfield's wow. a big fan of this pick. I mean, th- th- these are the types of picks that I think most fans, myself and yourself included, love to see in the later rounds. When you're talking about the fourth round, fifth round, and all that, the type of guys that are have skill and there's like it's kind of a like a home run pick, like you, like you said, right? They're, he's slipping for like just size, and then but he has all the skill in the world. Like, why not take a flyer on a guy like that? I, I love hearing that type of stuff. About a about a late late round pick from the from the Canadians because I'd much rather have a guy that's boomer bust at that point than a guy that might become a fringe NHLer, you know. No, exactly. I mean, especially I mean, the Canadians have so many prospects already that you know, basically at at all positions, 
I mean, they have so many picks too in this draft and the next draft. I mean, you know, let, you got to use some of these picks to try and hit these home runs. And I mean, I think Sean Farrell is definitely, I mean, all three of the picks that they had in the fourth round, they basically went for home run swings. And I think Sean Farrell is, uh, is definitely a pretty good chance to, to hit. I mean, we'll see what happens obviously with his size. He's, uh, you know, and he's, it could be a bit of a concern, but I mean, he's definitely got the offensive uh, ability to, and the and playmaking ability to to make it happen for sure. I mean, so, if you just he, look at where he was ranked, he was picked 124 by the Canadians, but he was ranked in a lot of places to go like way, way, way before that, like 44, 45, 62. Uh, Bob McKenzie had him in 85, which is the one, he's the one of the ones I have here that I actually had him ranked the the. The further to go, the furthest in the draft, but he still had him to go a good, I mean, quick math here, what, 40 picks before when he he, he was picked? So it definitely sounds like a steal to me. Yeah, definitely a great pick. Uh, so the next pick was, uh, so the fifth round, uh, they had, uh, they selected a goalie. Um, so goaltender Jakob Dobes. This is another guy, sort of like Jack Smith. I mean, I know my goalies. I I love taking Well, you didn't know anything about, about the goalie yeah, that getting was drafted? And again, like this guy, I think if anyone says they knew who Jakob Dobbs was before the draft, they're probably a liar. <laughs> again, I mean, this guy, way off the board. And again, I mean, the second year in a row, really, the Canadians have a fifth-round pick, and they go off the board to select a goalie. Um, I mean, I'm not – and it's sort of the same thing as in the guy that they drafted last year in uh, in Frederick DeCal. He's a big body um, he's a guy that, I mean, Frederick DeCal last year, he plays, uh, he plays in Denmark. Dobes this year, he plays in the USHL with the Omaha Lancers. Didn't necessarily put up great numbers, um, but he's a big body. Um, from what I've read on him, he's a very athletic goaltender. Um, they, they got, a, they, they basically stole the job in the USHL. So, I mean, that's, that's good to see. He's probably going to be playing in the USHL as a starting goaltender for Omaha again this year. And then next year, he uh, will be going to the uh, Ohio State University. So a good program there where, again, he's going to be another long-term project. You know, he's going to be there. He won't even be on the radar for the Canadians for another three, four, maybe even five years. So a guy that, you know, the Canadians are going to take a flyer on. The Canadians obviously already have Kane and Primo, who they have extremely high hopes for. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. That, yep. that, that's, what, that's what I was going to say, really. When, when you have a golden like, like Kane and Primo, that you're confident is, which I'm assuming they are, is, is the future of the, the franchise uh, in net, then you might as well take these long-term kind of who knows what will happen in the goaltender prospects. Because the, the goaltending is not really somewhere not like defense or forward where you can never have too many. You can only have one goaltender in your in your net at one time, right? So uh, these types of picks make sense for goalies, right? You might might as well go for a reach realistically. Yeah, I mean, and it seems to be what uh, what the Canadian, well, what their whole thought process in golding goaltending is, seeing as the you know Frederick DeCal last year and Jakob Dobes, they both sort of fit the same mold where they're tall goalies. They don't necessarily have uh, they they don't necessarily have the best uh, technical ability, but they both are very athletic goaltenders. So Canadians seem to think that with both these guys, they can sort of mold them. You know, obviously it's going to be a long, long-term project, you know, have them at the next couple of development camps. Hopefully it works out. And, uh, and you know, I mean, basically a bit of a crapshoot. Hopefully it works out for them. They have the, the, the intangibles, you know, they're tall, great athletic ability. Now, you know, just, you know, the, the Canadians are hoping that they can mold them into uh, into a solid goaltender. All right, and then that just leaves the the last pick, right? 
The last pick, that's correct. So the Canadians finally, after staying in North America throughout the whole draft, they go ahead and uh, select from Russia uh, with a sixth round pick, 171 overall, Alexander Gordin. Um, so this guy is actually, he could have been drafted last year. He was eligible last year, actually. So was uh, the Canadians' last pick, Dobes. But uh, Gordine, uh, he could have been drafted last year. He um, probably should have been drafted last year. A lot of a lot of people had him definitely ranked within the spots you'd, uh, that you'd like to see him drafted. Maybe he slipped. Apparently, he might, he might have slipped because uh, some immaturity issues. Um, also, I'm sure the fact that he's Russian probably didn't help too yeah. much. Uh, but he had a great season last season. He he was playing in the uh, in the MHL, which is essentially the junior KHL, uh, posting 39 goals last year. Uh, so obviously has some some really good scoring ability. He actually even had a game in the KHL this year. It didn't post any points, but that's obviously a positive. You know, if uh, if his KHL team uh, St. Petersburg is giving him an opportunity. It, that's obviously going to be a positive. And it's kind of what you saw with the Canadians last year when they drafted a guy that had been passed over be- before in the draft last year. Again, in the sixth round, they drafted Arsen Kisamutdanov, who uh, who obviously they liked what they saw. He was a big body. He was a guy that had some offensive potential that had shown it in some of the Russian uh, lower leagues. And the Canadians ended up signing at the end of this year Kisamutdanov to play in Laval next year. So, you know, they, uh, they're hoping to hit... You know, the same sort of, maybe not home run, but the same sort of hit this year with Gordine. He has the offensive uh, capabilities. And again, we said it before, with this, with a six-round pick, why not try to take a home run swing and hopefully you hit it? So then overall, how would you rank uh, this uh, this has draft? Like, how happy are you? Because at first you weren't too sure about the first pick, but it sounds like the rest of the draft kind of went in a good way to you. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, you know, with the first three picks, the Canadians – Definitely got some solid, solid prospects. Gooley, again, he's a guy that's going to play in the NHL. Could be top two minutes. Jan Mysak as well as a guy that see, that has a lot of offensive potential, a guy that could be the seal of the draft. Luke Tuck, again, is the sort of guy that that and, and you know, I mean, like you mentioned before, Canadians were fielding uh, fielding offers for this pick, and we're going to talk about it shortly. Uh, latest or the newest tab. Josh Anderson, despite the fact that he was injured last year and put up only, I think, four points, he was in high demand because there's so much demand yep. for this type of player right now. And yep. Luke definitely fits the mold. Um, and then, so the first in the first, well, their first three picks, you know, they, they took solid, solid prospects that could play for the Canadians, hopefully in two, three years. And with the rest, you know, I think they 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 try to get some home run home run swings. Hopefully, they pan out. They're all guys that the Canadians don't have to worry about signing in the next year or two. They're guys that you know will only be on the signing radar in the next three, four, maybe even five years, unless they absolutely tear it up. Um, so, I mean, it's it's exciting for sure. I mean, I think it's a good draft. I don't think a lot of Habs fans. Uh, see it that way unfortunately is you know maybe some guys that uh, that could be perceived as reaches you know aside from my sack and farrell but uh no i definitely think it's a great draft and obviously i mean I well, think that, one that's thing- the thing that like what, what you've covered here that i think is important to remember that maybe a lot of fans aren't considering is drafting players that are far away from being needing a contract is is 100 percent what the Canadians need to do right now. Like we we've talked about this before. They recently lost a few players to, to to nothing because there was just no more contracts left on the team. So really, this tells me that this management team knows what they're doing in that sense, in the sense of managing their contracts, because they understand. Okay, you stockpiled picks, but at some point you can only sign so many players. 
So, yes, maybe they went for a bit more of a reach for some guys to get a guy that they don't have to sign right away. But that's that's the move because it's either that or you lose another guy for nothing, right? So I mean, that makes perfect okay. sense to me. It's, it's a huge advantage for sure. And, I mean, it, you know, yes, probably a lot of people don't know, didn't know who these prospects were. Um, but, I mean, you just got to take – sure, you know, there, there's – there's plenty of times when it didn't work out for the Canadians. You know, uh, you can think back to guys that they've uh, they've drafted like Joe Stayskull, uh Andrew Conboy, guys like uh, Scott Kishel. You know, guys that they take that you know were in high school and obviously they didn't pan out. But a, a guy that, that did pan out that, that comes to mind when you see some of these picks, and especially Jack Smith, in my opinion, is Jake Evans. Jake Evans was a seventh round pick. Everyone, when he got drafted in 2014, everyone was like, who the hell is Jake Evans? Never heard of this guy. You know, because he was playing junior A hockey in Ontario before going on to Notre Dame. Canadians took, th- took their time with him. You know, he wasn't in the Canadians organization you know, until I think four years, four or maybe even five years down the road. So, you know, the, the Canadians can't be afraid to take their time with these guys. They have plenty of time to see what they have before really making a decision and you know that's a huge advantage and it's up and now it's up to these prospects to prove that they belong and that they deserve yeah, exactly. it and so, at the end of the day i mean we're we're doing as much analysis as we want people are going to have their opinions on twitter but we're not really going to know anything until three four or five years down the line uh, whether or not this was a good draft or not and and overall i, I trust trevor timmons so I'm uh, I'm excited to see how these how these guys develop and from from what I'm hearing I'm liking a lot of these picks and uh, it it sounds like a successful draft to me and and I, I'm not mad at Gooley honestly like after watching a bit of his clips and all that in, in the first round he's exactly the type of player you need in the NHL these days and, and as, as much as the the Canadians defense is it, it may, might be set in some ways some some of the top end guys on the Canadians are getting older and will need to be replaced sooner rather than later. So it's definitely not a bad move to add some some youth and some speed there. Love the way he skates. Definitely so, agree with that. I mean, one one thing that actually I forgot to mention to you that, yeah. that, we, that I wanted to talk about this before. Um, so obviously, I mean, I don't know if you saw Trevor Timmons was on uh, Tony uh, on the TSN 690 today with uh, yeah. Tony Marinero about once again the Canadians didn't draft any Quebec-born players. Yeah. Oh no. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you see, I mean, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, the Canadians are going to draft the best player available. You know, well, here's the thing with this year, though. A, a lot of people believe Hendrix Lapiana was the best player available. Uh, that that that's why that it, it does make sense that for this year it's being it's being discussed. I, I think we actually had a twi- Twitter question about this on whether or not we thought it was a right move to to dra- draft a safer pick versus the more skilled pick mm-hmm. in Lapiana. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, I think it's a fair question. Uh, I, again, I mean, I think Henrik Lapierre, he's dealt with anyway. We we know about his his injury issues. I mean, people are saying now that that it wasn't a concussion, that it was just a, a basically a spinal issue, sort of similar to what Sidney Crosby had. But obviously, it's a con- I mean, he went twenty second overall, I believe, to Washington. Yes, Craig Button had him as a potential top ten guy, and yes, he probably has the skill to be to be a top guy like that. But, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, the Canadians weren't the only team that were concerned about his injury injury. Exactly. So obviously there's exactly. something there. And the, but, but the big thing this year is that the teams couldn't send their own doctors. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's not surprising that a guy like that dropped. I mean, you're just meant to trust kind of outside sources for your first round pick. I mean, it makes sense to me that a team like the, the Washington capitals who, 
kind of recently won the cup and are always more in a win now mode with with Ovechkin on the team. We're willing to maybe take a risk on a maybe potentially high skilled guy. I mean that that that, that makes sense, but I, I wouldn't have wanted the Canadians to 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 take that risk personally. Definitely not. No, exactly. I mean, uh, and you know, I mean, like the media. Well, at least some people in the media like to make a big thing about it. Stéphane Leroux comes to mind, where he posted. Now, between 2014 and 2020, the Canadians are the only team to not pick any uh, players from the queue in the in the first three rounds. And of is that course, actually true? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and he, and of course he said 2014 to 2020 because in 2013 the Canadians drafted four players from the queue, three of which never played a game in the NHL. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, you know, you can you can. You know, to throw out all these stats that you want to and, and, and you know, make it seem like the Canadians hate uh, drafting players from the queue. But I, I really don't think that's the case. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, the Canadians are the players like since the year 2000, the Canadians have drafted the most players from the queue out of any team in the NHL. Yes, historically, it hasn't been at top picks necessarily. Anytime the Canadians have drafted a top a top guy from the queue in like the first three rounds, how many of them have actually panned out? Well, I overall, can't. the the queue hasn't been uh, putting out as much talent. It's, it's, it seems to be getting better in the last few years, but there was a stretch to there where the queue wasn't necessarily the league that was dishing out the most uh, promising prospects. For, oh, for so regular, regular on a regular basis, it's the, it's the league that pumps out the least amount of prospects, in yeah. fact. Yeah, And I mean, uh, and there was another, I forget who posted it, but uh, over the last, I think it was 10 years, there was four players in the top three rounds drafted or Quebec born players that uh, have played, I think it was more than 200 NHL games. And it was, uh, I think it was Thomas Chabot. Anyway, I don't remember exactly who it was, but the only player the Canadians could have picked with one of their picks was Anthony Bouvillier. So, you know, it's, it's not that they're tr- not trying to get these guys. If if there's a Quebec-born player and an American that have exactly equal talents, for sure they're going to draft a Quebec-born player. Yeah. I mean, we'd all love to see more Quebec-born players with the Canadians, but at the end of the day, I want to see them win. I don't exactly. want you know, exactly. I don't care having a whole team Quebec-born players if they're routinely going to not make the playoffs. Not that they've been making the playoffs lately, but that's another story. But um, you know, I mean, but those, those stories are always going to be there. The same with the coach needing to be French speaking and all that. It, it just kind of is what it is, really. And I think one big thing right now. I mean, so we know obviously the Canadians have the Laval Rocket now, and yeah. the Canadians are going to have now the ECHL team in Trois-Rivières coming up. Um, not this, not this coming season, but next season. I think that's going to be huge too. Because you've seen it even with the Laval Rocket. Basically, every time that they need to sign, like you know, some random AHL signatures more often than not it's canadian it's well uh, quebec born players yeah and that i love to see for sure that, that that why not do it that way right you're gonna see the same thing i'm 100 percent sure with the echl team i'm sure you know the canadians might have a few prospects in the echl and the rest is probably going to be like 90 percent quebec born players so that's going to be great for the queue you know great for quebec great for the players and i mean it's going to give our our players here from quebec more of an opportunity to play in the in the pro leagues, be in the Canadians organization. So, I mean, I think moving forward, you know, it's, it's going to be great, and hopefully more prospects do end up getting drafted and play for the Canadians. But but we'll see. I mean, they're going to have more of an opportunity now with the 12 and Laval. 
And honestly, I'm I'm happy that they don't listen to these criticisms and 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 still make the smarter picks, right? Because I I would hate for the the management's decisions to be impacted by by those types of articles and making what what they don't necessarily believe is 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 the right pick in that point. Because I, like you said, like we want best player available or or or, or whatever. The the decision shouldn't be impacted by by where they're they're from really i mean it, it it really shouldn't even the russian factor these days is annoying with because it's it's not really a thing anymore just in general just forget where they're from draft the best player who cares where they're from oh exactly i mean you just got to look back to 2009 when the Habs drafted louis leblanc the yeah, first exactly. see how that works out for you we were so excited about that weren't we quebec how did that work yep. out not so well <laughs> <laughs> so all right so moving on from uh, from the draft now uh, some more big news. So we talked last week about how we, th- I thought that the pick might get traded. There were rumors, like I said, that it might happen depending on who's available at the time of the, at the time of the pick. But it turns out that the Canadians pulled the trigger on a trade before the draft even started. They trade Max Domi, which we've talked about being a possibility, uh, a logical. I think most has fans, especially after he played on the fourth line in the playoffs, saw it as a logical kind of thing for the the Canadian they don't think he's a center he clearly wants to play center they go get Josh Anderson now another guy who had a kind of an off year last year the big difference with Max Domi's off year and Anderson's off year is that Anderson only scored a one goal in his off year so it seems a bit worse he was injured a bit of a question mark came out of nowhere to me I wasn't expecting that I don't know how you feel about it. at first I wasn't sure I'm kind of liking it the more I the more I think about it and the more I read about Anderson honestly yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. At first, I was kind of like, what? Like, Max Domi and a third rounder for Josh Anderson, who had four points last season? Yeah. Like, definitely a head-scratcher to me. Um, so, I mean, d- yeah, Domi had a bad season. Well, he had an off-season for him last year. I mean, I think he still had, like, 44 points, which, I mean, really isn't that bad. Well, like we've talked about, we think that that's what yeah. his, he's going to be. It's more that he had a better season the year before than anything else. At, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the Canadians, you know, ideally – you know, if if we didn't have basically this playoffs with the emergence of Suzuki and Kakiniemi, I don't think we're talking about trading Max Domi probably. No. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wants to be a center. There's clearly not a spot for the Can- on the Canadians for him at this point. Um, especially now he's going to be an RFA. I mean, we we saw you know the contract that he just signed. It was a you know a two year deal. I think five point three million. Per I year. guarantee you, Bergevin. If if they've already talked about contracts and 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 Max Domi talked about wanting to have a two year contract that puts him right into UFA years, I guarantee you, Bergevin wanted to hear nothing of that. And and if and if Domi was firm on that. I am not surprised at all he got traded. And this no. would be the, even regardless of the Suzuki and Kutkinyemi breakout, if that's the contract he wanted, I think Bergman moves him regardless. And I, I don't disagree with that at all. That is a huge risk for Columbus. More likely than not, he's just gone after two years. He, he, and you might end up playing on the Leafs. So we'll, we'll get to see him more than enough. And if that does happen, oh boy, are we going to hate Max Domi. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, after I saw that contract, and I think, you know, Habs Twitter basically felt the same way, that looks like a, a bad trade for Columbus. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, like you're signing into a two-year deal. He's probably walking after that. Exactly. The Unless, money's fine. I have nothing, like, I think that's about what he's worth oh, money-wise. Yeah. Yeah. But two years is just atrocious for Columbus. And, I mean, apparently Josh Anderson was in high demand, despite having, yeah. you know, not a great year. And we talked about this earlier when we were talking about Luke Tuck. This is the kind of guy that's really coveted in the NHL right now. 
I mean, you see like the success of guys like, you know, guys like Tom Wilson, how big of an impact he's had with with the Capitals and their success. You know, teams, there's not a whole lot of guys like Josh Anderson out there. And, you know, and it sounds were, like his injury really affected him. It's, it really sounds like, first of all, he said himself uh, that he came back from injury too quickly and he regrets it. He never wants to do that again. Uh, basically, I think the fact that it was a contract year probably clouded his judgment uh, a, l- a little bit in that sense, which is, which is fair enough, right? Like you're, you're going into – you just came off a 27-goal season. You want to keep that pace up. You're going into the, the year that, that, that that's going to – Maybe get you that that he, that first huge contract as a, as a pro athlete. I mean, we could talk about players wanting to play for the love of the game more than anything else. If there's millions of dollars on the lines, it's going to affect anyone's decision making. So came back from injury too soon and ended up finally shutting things down when it wasn't working for him because he was getting re-injured and all that. And it's just it's just a year you have to forget. And from I was reading this interview that he had, he said he you could see through the pages, the letters on the pages that he he has a chip on his shoulder, and he he, he looks like he has something to prove. I could see him having a very strong year. I'm excited to see Josh Anderson play for the Canadians. And if if we just traded Max Domi to get even if it doesn't to get 27 goals, if we get a big body like him scoring just 20 goals a year, that's a huge win for the Canadians. And I, I addresses a massive massive need for this team really changes the makeup of the team completely adding him and Edmondson on the back end it's it's huge oh yeah I mean we talked about it earlier the Canadians obviously want to add size if Josh Anderson is healthy I mean if he can get back to you know I I think he had a 27 goal season with uh with Columbus was his high I mean if he can get back to that Josh Anderson and I mean he's entering you know, that, that's when he was 25 years, uh, 24 years old. So, I mean, he's just now hitting his physical prime. So uh, you, you're thinking it's probably just going to go up from now. So, I mean, he could be an absolute, not a, maybe not a steal, but he could be a beast for the Canadians for sure. Hold on. I Definitely think he may have just, I'm on cap friendly and they have a contract for him. They're saying unconfirmed. I'm thinking it might have broken while we're recording the podcast. Let me just see here if I can find some more information on it because it's saying unconfirmed, but it's showing uh, on on cap friendly for Josh Anderson. It's showing five point five million for for seven years. Oh, uh, yes, um, it's confirmed by the Canadian seven year deal, five point five. I, I mean, love it. I love that too. I mean, it's very very similar m- money to Max Domi, only a few million more. But many, many years more. 5.5 for a guy that – what if he goes back to being a 25, 30-goal scorer with that size? Uh, that, I, I love that contract for the Canadians. I mean – uh, That's great. That's great. I mean, you know, yeah. You're At the same time, you are hoping that he's going to get – that he's going to be 100% healthy and bounce back. But if he does if, – if you're getting a 25, 30, maybe even more goal scorer – for 5.5 million, with this, with his size, the way that he throws a body around for the next seven years, he's 26 years old right now, if I'm not mistaken. Only be 33 at the end of this deal. That's wow. That's that's a solid what, deal. What Especially is very interesting you- to me for this deal because they talked about earlier about potentially making Gallagher the highest paid Montreal Canadian forward. This contract is exactly how much money Jean Jean is making right now. Yep. Uh, I, I doubt that that's a coincidence. There must be something there about kind of we'll make we'll make you the equally highest paid forward, and then you can still make Gallagher without having to go over Andrew. Because these are things players do c- care about. As silly as it may seem, being the highest forward on your team or things like that, 
So I think that that comes into play there. It, it may, this contract makes a ton of sense for Josh Anderson, but for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Canadians. I mean, this could be an absolute steal if it, if if Anderson does uh, get back to where he was before. And I mean, I think it's a great deal for Josh Anderson as well. It gives him a security. He, you know, he's he's going to be with, he knows he's going to be with the Canadians for the next seven years. Uh, so I mean, this is great. That's uh, wow. Wow. So I, now the question goes. Now you look at the cat space for the for the Montreal Canadiens, because right? because we are going into talking about the UFA season. That still this still leaves f- almost five point five in, in 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 cap space for for the Canadians with this contract, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of potential to to to, to add even something more to Josh Anderson. And Bergman was asked. He said he feels comfortable with his defense as it is right now to go into next year. And we'll we'll see how that pans out. I think a lot of that. It de- depends on how Romanov ends up being an NHLer, but he said he's still looking to improve his forward group. If the Canadians yeah. can finally spend to the cap and add a big forward on this team, ah, I'm liking the look of this team a lot. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked you know we we've talked about this uh, you know off off the air in our group chat uh, with our buddy. Um, you know the, the Canadians basically need a left wing, yeah. and I think they're a left wing away from having a really solid set roster right now like a goal the, score a goal yeah. score is what the canadians exactly. need. Like, so we, the, ob- the obvious the, name, yeah. the obvious name that comes to mind is going to be taylor hall could the canadians make this happen because there's not a whole lot of teams that have the cap space yes exactly. the canadians right now uh, you just said what they have five million in cap space uh, something along those lines but obviously things can be moved around uh, exactly. Right, that's just the current cap space situation. If you kind of add, add, put everyone in there, it, it, it's not that hard. Like five is a lot, and you can easily turn five into a bit more. To if you can make space for a guy like, uh, um, like 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 Taylor Hall. Like if they can sign Taylor Hall for like a eight million dollar deal, they they can they can make that work. I mean, you have you have guys that can be like a guy like I would hate to lose, for example, Lekkinen, Right, I would hate to lose him, but. If the Canadians need to make space, his 2.4 million contract, it would be very easy to move. Same for uh, Joel Armia. I mean, I think the guy that we'd probably prefer moving to make space at this point, unfortunately, because we do love him, is Paul Byron. Uh, that might be a bit of a more difficult contract to move, but probably still possible. These are moves that you can easily make to fit in Taylor Hall on this team. And then all of a sudden, you have a very nice, very nice top six, even top nine on this team. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, you know, the Canadians have maybe about five, uh, you know, five million right now. I think, you know, Taylor Hall probably deserves more. But with current with the current situation, I don't think he's going to get more than eight million. And I think that's definitely possible for the Canadians. And, and it's not possible for very many teams. So I mean, Taylor Hall, man, like this is the and year that did, we did, might did actually see, get the big guy. Did you see that? Uh, so the another great Twitter that we love to follow. So Habs Chronicle at Habs Chronicle on on Twitter. So you see, he 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 mentioned on his Twitter that, that Friedman. Uh, so this isn't from an article. So Friedman must have been on a on a podcast or on a radio show. Uh, said he predicts Taylor Hall will go to Montreal. Now he specifically said that he's not confident. Uh, he doesn't have any sort of kind of insider information uh, about it. And is and Taylor Hall is a bit of a mystery where he's gonna go, but that's his prediction. Elliot Friedman, which I think we would all would all agree, one of the most uh, plugged in, reliable people in uh, in the business. So regardless of him being very much kind of almost backtracking with his statement, the fact that he believes that's where he's going means that there's a real possibility it might happen. 
And boy, oh boy, would that transform this team. If Taylor Hall signs with Canadians, I mean, the Canadians are definitely a contender right now. And I, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. I mean, they're going to have three solid, solid lines. They're going to have a, a decent defense. I mean, they, you know, the, the left side can be, you know, you can say what you want about the, about the left side there. Um, but I, they have the best goalie in the world. So, I mean, this team is solid. And then we have the prospects. To, if I mean, if Taylor Hall does sign, you know, with the trade deadline, maybe the Canadians can do something else. Taylor Hall signing would be amazing for the Canadians. And, and, and again, I think it's, it, it's a possibility. And this is when you got to make these moves. When you have uh, Kut Kinyemi on less than $1 million, Nick Suzuki on less than $1 million, Romanov on less than $1 million, assuming Romanov steps right in and, and is an impact player. For the for the Canadians, teams that make that make it far in the playoffs these days, they have these players that are already that are still on their entry level contracts, but are already impact players for their teams. This is how you win in the NHL today with with a salary cap, with all the parity. It's it's the time to make the move. It, it, it really is. But here's the thing: every year we're so excited about the possibility. We've had this cap space for years, so every year we're excited about the possibility of the Canadians being able to be the team that can pay. Uh, a big player, the big contract. It never happens. Every year, we're teased with it. The Canadians are in the running. All oh, the Canadians are in the final two teams. The Canadians are always the final two team. They were a final two team with Duchesne, apparently, last year. That didn't work out. However, yeah. there no, is true. another name I find interesting. Mike Hoffman. I wouldn't be mad if the Canadians signed Mike Hoffman. No. I mean, I think... Okay, if the Canadians don't get Taylor Hall... There's still a couple of other left wings out there that could be really good exactly. signings. And again, there's very few. If uh, whatever team signs Taylor Hall, I mean, the, the, basically the next bracket after that is, like you mentioned, Mike Hoffman and I would say Evgeny Dadanov. Not a whole lot of teams are going to be able to sign either of those two guys to the money that they want. I mean, Hoffman, and he's a. I mean, we all know the you know what happened like, with his wife and that in Ottawa, but it I mean, is what, what it is. It hasn't yeah, it affected his play on the ice. Like he's still been scoring between yep. twenty five and thirty goals a year. That's exactly the Canadian scene. An argument can be made that he scores more goals than Taylor Hall in the last few years, right? So he's a pure goal scorer. It, I mean, he definitely is. I mean, he he would definitely be an exciting player for the Canadians. I mean, I think you know, he's if it doesn't work out with Taylor Hall, I mean, he first of all he would be a lot cheaper option. You would think. I mean, I think he. You know, I think five, maybe five million would be a good uh, would be a good number for him. No, he's gonna get paid more than five million. Okay. A, a UFA. If you if you look at Josh Anderson, who just got five point five as an RFA, a UFA like Mike Hoffman, who is you can almost say a thirty goal scorer. He usually would get the eight million we were just talking about. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like a seven million dollar contract. Even Dadanov is gonna is gonna be close to that. For these guys, it's their last big contract right so you're still gonna have to pay these guys but for the reason i just talked about before even though they might be less exciting less big names than uh than a guy like taylor hall these are two players i mean i i generally didn't realize how how, how great dan and i had been goal scoring 28 28 25 goals you add any, any of those two guys to the canadians even if it costs you seven million a year i'm still happy doing doing that you got to spend the cap at some point yeah and no, it's, it's time to make the push it's time to make the push and I don't think it's going to be, again, because of the current situation, I think, you know, I, I, I think it may be more $6 million, um, which I think would be a great deal for either one of them, for Hoffman or Dadanov. Um, 
I think yeah. you're going to see two types of deals. You're going to see, depending on the player and the team, what they prefer. If a player prefers some security, some long-term kind of thing, a guy like like Dandenov, who's already like 31 years old, maybe he wants, he doesn't know where the NHL is going with uh, with uh, the with COVID-19 and how how the, how the cap's going to be affected. Maybe he's willing to take a, a smaller contract, like a 5.5 or a 6, but for more years. But then you can have other players that might prefer to kind of bet on themselves and take a shorter contract, but then they're going to expect more money, right? So yeah. would you rather give a guy like Hoffman, let's say, eight, even 8.5, but just for a few, for a couple of years? So it's not affecting you as much when you have to, to sign a Suzuki or a Kotkaniemi uh, in the future? Or would you rather give like a guy like Dadanov, uh, maybe six, 6.5, but over five years? You know, the, the, those I think are the kind of deals you're going to see. Either more money, less term, or I mean, you're not going to see big money, big term. I don't think this uh, this off season. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird tomorrow. Uh, it, it you really it's hard to say what exactly is going to happen. But uh, anyway, it's it's going to be exciting. And like I said, if if we can get Hall, that'd be amazing. If we can't, then I think Hoffman, Dadanov, and even I'd even throw in another name to a lesser extent as a third or one fourth option, I guess. Andreas Athanasiou, I don't think would be a bad option. Really cheap option. But, but he is a much further. Like I think there's Hall yeah, yeah. is number one, and then Dad Hoffman and Dadanov are, are are pretty much two A two B. But there's a pretty big jump after that. You know, like you're not getting the same type of impact player. No, no, of course. But I think you know Athanasiou. And again, this is clear. You know, clearly if it doesn't work out with Hall, Hoffman, and Dadanov, I think Athanasiou would be. Uh, a, you know, sort of a an okay consolation prize. I think he could bounce back from a from a bad season. Uh, you know, well, a bad run basically in Edmonton. If he can sort of bounce back to being that uh, you know forty, maybe even fifty point guy, I think we could get him for really cheap for maybe a one or two year deal. It's sort of like a band aid before you know hopefully getting someone better next year. But anyway, again, we'll see. Yeah, Worst we'll case see. Scenario. I mean, I don't think we're going to see it tomorrow, honestly, because I think uh, I think uh, I think it was Friedman again said that not to expect uh, a decision from Hall until not until like Sunday or Monday. And I think this is going to be a case, as you see in, in a lot of years, when there's one big ticket item, uh, the rest of the dominoes tend to wait to fall, especially because these three players are at the same position, the same teams are going to be wanting these three players. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see either Hoffman or Dadanov sign anywhere until Hall has decided where he wants to go. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And especially this year, I mean, I'm sure they're, everyone wants to sort of get a sense of what's going to happen in the market. Um, so, yeah, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of action tomorrow. But I'm ecstatic we get either three of those guys, honestly. Uh, I, I, I think that would be a huge – it would, it would transform this team. You don't often have – three 30 goal scorers available on the board like you have this year that are the position of need for the Montreal Canadiens you know it's and the Canadians are one of the teams that have cap space it's like it's like everything's falling into place here it has to be the here year it happens I, I will be pretty disappointed if they can't land anyone like I don't know how Bergman feels about Hoffman and Dadanov uh, or even Taylor Hall so it, it, time will tell when it comes to that but you gotta think he's he's looking at it the same same way we are yeah, I think first. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying the Canadians are going to get Taylor Hall, but I think for sure they're getting one of those three guys. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm Dustin guarantee. Just yeah. like we were for sure going to draft uh, Mercer if he was available at pick 16. <laughs> are you going to uh, yeah. put money on this one or? Uh, maybe, probably. You know how much I love betting. So. 
right, fair enough. I mean, it's it's exciting, and uh, we we can't wait to see what happens. I mean, we'll 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 d- dive deeper into either of these three if they do end up signing him on the Canadians, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be back with uh, with another episode. Aside from that, was there anything else you you wanted to uh, to cover today? Yeah, we had a couple of well, uh, we sort of already touched on on one of the Twitter questions there from uh, from Doug Laurie. Uh, so, do you guys like the safer pick with uh, with Gouli over more skilled player with injury concerns and Hendricks Lapierre? Cheers, guys! Great show. Uh, so, I think we already touched on that. Um, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw that earlier, so I so so, so I brought it up. I I think we gave her answer. I mean. One comment here from the Habstatician podcast. So he said, can I say that one of my least favorite statements in the draft is he'll be an NHLer, which I think I've probably said about four or five times on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say something, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, just just keep keep digging your digging your grave. I mean, I do agree with him, you know, talking about prospects in general, like they're any sort of guarantee. Not just, that, that was kind of my point with, uh, with the whole idea that the Canadians already have more than enough uh, depth on the left side. I mean, who knows if any of those guys, even Orlander has been fantastic. There's still no guarantees going to be NHL or, you know, you never know what can happen really. Oh, exactly. And, uh, we did finally have one final Twitter question from, uh, from our buddy Hugo. Uh, so, uh, with the new players that the, or well, sp- specifically with Gooley, now that they've drafted Gooley, we obviously have a surplus at left defenseman. What to do next? I mean, I think that's, you know, it's a, a good thing about drafting Gooley is it offers you maybe the, the possibility of trading some of the other left-handed defensemen. I think, you know, if if for whatever reason, you know, I've, I know I've already guaranteed it, the Canadians are going to get one of these three big guys. If they don't, I definitely yeah. think Devil Germain is going to go out and he's going to make a big trade. Yeah, that's that's um, you know. the big thing, right? Like, if they do get one of these guys, then the, the team is pretty much at the cap. So the only move that might happen would be a move that we're moving away uh, salary less likely a trade to happen at that point but if yeah. they don't get one of those three guys i could see one of those prospects being moved for sure the, I, I don't think there's no way that the canadians are going into next year i don't see it anyway without getting a scoring left wing if again if it doesn't if if for whatever reason we don't get one of those three guys definitely the canadians are going to make a move and you know they'll they'll probably have to move some of their bigger prospects maybe a guy like uh, like a jordan harris or or a jaden struble so you know it's it's again it's not the worst thing in the world they drafted Gooley for sure and, and and it just makes sense for the canadians honestly to give big money to a left winger because their top left winger right now is thomas tatar and he's off the books after this year right so you that that's that's almost 5 million that's coming off so even if you give, give a dadanov or a Hoffman. I'm, I'm kind of mentioning them over Hall in general just because I'm trying to prepare myself to not get Hall, so I'm not too disappointed. But even if you give a guy like Dadanov like 6.57 million, but then next year, you just have to figure out for this year, the next year Tatar comes off the books. You know, that's another 5 million that's off, right? Because I don't think it, there's going to be a re-signing there necessarily. Maybe. Don't know about the money. So it makes sense. It, it all falls into place. They, they have to get one of those guys. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, you know, and, and again, I think they will. And again, worst case scenario, if they don't, I definitely think that, uh, you know, Bergevin is going to move some of those assets that he has because he, he knows that right now is, is the time to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, he's mentioned it. And at some point too, I think as much as, uh, I think management has given Bergevin a lot of, uh, kind of like his, it doesn't sound like his job is at risk or anything like that. He does need to start making the playoffs a bit more consistently at some point. Uh, and and I think that with what we with the fans just got a taste of the playoffs now, 
it was a sacrifice that fans make to not get, get a top 10 pick. We, we didn't touch on this, but a lot of fans were disappointed when they saw who was available at pick number nine that uh, that they didn't have a, that pick anymore. Was it worth it? I think if the Canadians, their young players continue to develop and make a fin- finally make a real push to the playoffs this season, I think it was absolutely worth it. Yep. No, I definitely think so. I mean, yeah, I'd say, you know, we could have gotten gotten uh, either Cole Perfetti or Marco Rossi, but I think Gouli is a really good prospect. I think, you know, what we saw this season, or at least in the playoffs from Kakinyemi and from Suzuki is huge, and, and really from the whole team. is yeah. you know, I mean, the team looked really good, and I think, you know, maybe that even might play in a bit to, you know, potentially getting one of these big-ticket free agents. You know, they're, they're going to see that, oh, maybe the Canadians are just – a Taylor Hall away from you know maybe yeah. a cup run. So. That's literally what Jeff Petrie said, right? He he. Uh, although we do think that it's because he loves it in Montreal, he said that the play of Kotkaniemi and Suzuki really, and not let's not forget also, Carey Price is regarded in the NHL not just by Habs fan, but ha- NHL players see Carey Price as the best goaltender in the NHL, and he showed it this year in the playoffs. P- teams see that, and they see a possibility to win. With when it comes to the goaltender like Carey Price, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's 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 exciting for sure, and then you know, hopefully the these uh, big ticket free agents are equally as excited to come sign, come come to hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, come tomorrow. And if they sign tomorrow, we'll get another episode up as quickly as possible because oh boy, am I going to be excited to talk about it. Absolutely. So, so hopefully, hopefully we're going to have our next uh, our next episode pretty soon once the Canadians sign Taylor Hall or. You know, maybe Hoffman or Dadanov, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely be back uh, shortly with a new episode as soon as uh, you know, so, as soon as something big happens with the uh, with the Canadians. And as always, ask us some more questions on Twitter uh, at the Habs Forum on Twitter. Once they sign that player, ask us what we think. If they don't sign a player, ask us what we think. We have so many opinions. Ask us questions. And uh, <laughs> so uh, follow follow the Twitter to know when the next episode drops. But like like Dustin just said, probably be sooner rather than later. But as always, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.